are continuing our series exploring common human emotions called All the Feels. We're feeling all the feels. We're going through it. We're seeing what the Word of God has to say about the emotions that we feel. And so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this morning. I think it's going to be life-giving for us. I'm going to pray as you get ready to get, uh, look at the Word, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to pray for us, and then we will dive in. Father, come, speak, breathe. It's what the Word is. So you breathed out. Your scripture is breathed out to us. Comes from you. They're not just words on a page. They are life. And our entire lives are completely and utterly subjected to this word. We can try to live outside of it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's truth and it comes from you. And it's and has power. And so we're ready to receive from you. Would you give us your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how was the first day of school? She's broke. I'm done. You pretend to be tired. Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. That's it. That's it. Man, who hadn't had that experience in one way, form, or fashion? Thank God for Disney just helping open up the Word of God to us, right? Um, uh, I actually love uh, that movie. I haven't seen that movie. You probably have to see it inside out. It, it really is an amazing look at uh, the emotions that we feel. And of course, the, my, you know, the favorite character, my favorite character is anger because just because, honestly, because it's anger. And, and this is a common emotion. We've all felt this one. It is absolutely universe, uh, universal, from the spat at the dinner table to the po political conversation to global injustices. Across the board, everyone is experiencing anger in some way, form, or fashion. We feel it even more in our culture right now, even with this, the election and the primary season going on. There's just this constancy of all the different groups and the anger being expressed. It feels like if you ever watch the news, it's mostly just anger moving at the about what's happening, stirring up anger about something happening. It's kind of a, become a, 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 an overwhelming emotion that we see and we're experiencing and we're even in our culture. So we all know, we all feel this problem 
of anger, which makes what we're going to look at here in the word feel a little interesting, maybe even confusing, because we're going to have a declaration with this thing called anger from the Lord. And I think there's some powerful things that God wants to bring to us. I think there's freedom the Lord wants to give to us with this issue of, of, of anger. And I want to look at it this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to have, we're going to start with one scripture. There's going to be a lot others, but we're going to start with this one. And in Ephesians chapter 4, here's what the Word of God. This is, this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the first century church, and this is, therefore, the Holy Spirit who's speaking to us. This is God speaking directly to us, and here's what he says. Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, at first glance, this is going... This, Ask the question, this can't be right. Really what the Bible says, because it actually says here, there is a command to, to be angry. And that feels wrong. That's not what the Bible supposed to say. In fact, if you look at another translation, uh, the NIV, it says this, Ephesians chapter 6, in your anger, this is how the scriptures in this version, in your anger, do not sin. Maybe a little bit more normal to us because when we look at that verse, you think maybe it says don't anger because anger is sin. That's how that scripture feels if you read it that way, but that's actually not what the scripture says. And so as this thing is registering to us, as we're looking at this, this, this quote or if this directive from the Holy Spirit, in your anger, do not sin, in the NIV, it registers like, listen, anger feels and we, f we feel kind of the weight of this as this scripture is coming forward because we know that a lot of our own mistakes, a lot of our own mess ups, many of our sins are actually connected to this emotion called anger. Most of the moments, if we were to push the pause button and go back on all of the moments that we feel deep sadness over or we feel deep regret over in our lives, Many of them, if not most of them, actually have to do with fits of anger that we've had. If we'll look back on those moments, many of them are connected to anger. How many of us have not had a moment where we blurted out words that cut, or words that demeaned, or words that dishonored people? That from this emotion of anger, we've all been at that place. How many relationships have been impacted by our anger? How many places have we lost it because of anger? Maybe in our workplace, or maybe in our homes. All of that we feel. So when you see in the scripture, in your anger, do not sin, it kind of begins to feel right to us, right? We're not supposed to do that thing called anger. But here's the problem. That's not what the Bible actually says. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. If you go back and you look at the translation, you go back to the original language, there are two, you can look for, for yourself, there are two imperative verbs there are two actual commands that are going on. Be angry and do not sin. You can look at all the translations. Most of them are going to say that. Be angry, but do not sin in your anger, which tells us, listen, anger is not to be totally and completely avoided, but it's to be focused rightly. It's not to be avoided, but it is to be focused rightly. There's something that God wants to do with this core emotion. I know we begin to, we kind of wrestle with this because again, we know the destruction that can come from anger. We've seen it. We're seeing it in our culture right now. We've seen it in our own lives. But if you'll stick with me, we're going to be a little audacious because I believe the scripture is going to call followers of Jesus to get angry, but it's to be angry about the right things and not angry about the wrong things. This issue is such an issue in our culture that I think that there's some misinformation about how to do this emotion called anger. We're supposed to be angry about the right things. Here's the problem. 
when we refuse to be angry about the things that God is angry about, injustice and unrighteousness, those things that anger the Lord, then what we have is when we, we have a resistance to that, if we, if we put up a wall to that emotion, then what happens is, is our anger can easily become corrupted because this is what the enemy wants to do. Take a core emotion that we all experience it and try to seed in it and from it something that would be destructive to our lives when in fact there is a right place for this emotion to come up in our lives and through our lives for God's glory. God made us in his image from the beginning. Without question, from the get-go, we've been made in his image. And what the word is going to tell us, of course, over and over again, is that God himself experiences this emotion or has or puts forth this emotion of anger. Psalm 145, 8, such a beautiful scripture. The Lord is gracious and he's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. Now, I love this because what does it tell us about the Lord, right? Here's what it says. God has the emotion of anger. That's why we actually have it. But here's what the scripture's saying. God isn't revving up to be angry. God isn't looking for the opportunity to slam his fist on the desk, so to speak, to express his anger. He isn't looking for the chance to express it. But in fact, he's slow to it and he's abounding in steadfast love. There's a right place. It's what he's saying is there is a right place for this emotion. He wants to bring us into a partnership with this experience in our lives. So the question is then, what is it that angers the Lord? What is it that brings anger to his heart? And the answer is, listen, God's angry at sin that destroys the people he loves. Maybe the way to put it is those that he made in his image. God feels angry about sin that destroys us. He's, he's ready to come as a righteous king and judge against the things that are against his righteous and just nature. And so what comes, the question is then, what comes out of this anger against sin? And what we get to see when God feels anger, how does he respond with the most radical expression of love the world has ever known? When God has anger against sin that is destroying the lives of those that are made in his image, what does he do? He acts in love. Over the Christmas holiday, we did a series on the prophetic words from Isaiah, Isaiah prophet, 700 years before Jesus would come on the scenes and he makes these declarations about who the Messiah is, what he's gonna be like. And, it, and there's these expressions of emotion that he will carry. What will the king of the universe, what will the Messiah be like? And if you go back to that Isaiah chapter nine scripture, verse seven, here's what it says about him. It says, of the increase of the Messiah or his government, the Messiah's government, and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Now here it is. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the passionate, zealous God of the universe. We talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about the jealousy, the righteous jealousy that the Lord feels, that emotion that he feels for his people. Maybe a more very intentional way to say it is the emotion and zeal that he feels for you and for me. And he's got this zeal. There's a zeal that's motivating him, right? It's fueled by anger, not a selfish anger, but an anger that says, my people are being stolen from. 
destroyed because of sin. And he's coming with zeal. It is from and with zeal that the king of the universe is coming over our lives. This is the kind of anger that releases loving, merciful action. When that thing is rising up in him, what God's ready to do is bring mercy. He isn't looking to In fact, he's looking to make alive. And this is the beauty of the anger of this righteous, beautiful, worthy judge. It's the zeal of Jesus that sends him to the cross, into the depths of hell, to battle sin and death, to overcome the grave and to come out victorious. It is, please hear this, there are two emotions that are going on to have to bring Jesus here. And this is maybe the stuff that we don't, maybe doesn't always feel comfortable to talk about, but you understand the reason that Jesus has to come is to pay a price for the glory of God that has been desecrated by those that were made in his image. There's a zeal of the Lord of hosts for his glory. And every one of us have been at that place of violating it. It's called sin. That's what sin is. And God didn't just let it off the hook. I want you to hear this. The mercy of God is not to let the thing off the hook. The mercy of God is to come in and say, you violated my beautiful glory, but I have loved you with an everlasting love. So in his zeal, he sends Jesus as the stamp of saying, I uphold all righteousness, but I want you to know that I'm merciful and I love you and I want you in my family. It's that thing that we see from the heart of God, this single action that God shows and declares that he is good. It's that anger that tells us that God is the just judge and he's gonna come against all injustice in the end. Every injustice that has been done to you and every injustice that has been done to me, every injustice that we see in this earth, is, there will be a reckoning, right? There are those who need to pay for abuse and exploitation and cruelty. Those things that have been done to others there is a payment coming with a just king. That's a beautiful thing because, because some, some of the injustices that you maybe even personally have experienced must be dealt with in righteousness. And there's the connection of the heart of God that he wants us to have to love the things that he loves, but to Church, hate the things that he hates, the sin that destroys. And so part of our hope in Jesus is that justice, perfect justice, is going to be administered by the one who alone is qualified to bring it. And the zeal of the Lord is what will bring about his justice. And so anger is not to be avoided. It's just to be understood rightly. In fact, there are things that are being done to us and all across the earth that deserve anger. They really do. That we shouldn't be okay with. There are things that we're supposed to be stirred and bothered by. There are things that we're supposed to be angry with that are deeply wrong. They're happening all over the place. We feel it and we see it in our own country and across the earth. There is a partnership of this righteous indignation that we're supposed to have with the Lord. I don't know um, if you're a comic book nerd. Probably not. <laughs> Illustration anyway. How many of you are familiar with the Hulk? The Hulk, right? The Hulk is, is cool, but his, but his whole story is, is essentially that he was the mild-mannered scientist and by a freak accident, 
he gets too much gamma radiation, which I don't know what that is. But somehow, if, he, if and when he gets angry, he turns from mild-mannered scientist into the Hulk, and then Hulk does what Hulk does. He smashes things, right? And everyone a little bit, you know, if you're re you know, reading or watching the Hulk, it's like a little bit cathartic. You're like, oh yeah, man, destroy that tank? That sounds amazing. I wish I could do that. You feel it, right? But what's so ironic, of course, about it, and if you actually go, if you, you could go way back to the 1970s version of the Hulk, and in the opening sequence, it's Mild Manor, David Banner, looking, and he's looking at the reporter who's constantly hunting him down to try to prove that he's the Hulk. And he says, Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like to see me when I'm angry. And he's constantly trying to push off. So literally the whole story is the Hulk trying to not be angry. But what happens? When he sees evil or injustice, it's over. It's, it's smash time. It's smash time, okay? That, that's, that's what we're looking at. Listen, there are injustices that we're supposed to a little bit be like the Hulk. Uh, I mean, my, my, a little bit like God. Let's go there, all right, okay? I'm just trying to give you the picture. God's not green. That's not what I'm saying. But you, there are things that are going on that they're supposed to have a little bit of a rage inside a little bit of a thing that says, this is not right. This is not okay in our culture. This is not okay in our nation. This is not okay in our world. This is not okay in our home. This is not okay where we work. To see the righteous king who's giving life and to see evil or wrong or the enemy come against it, there are injustices for the orphan and for the unborn and for those that are being enslaved and exploited that we should feel righteous indignation over. We should hate the things that God hates. It shouldn't be okay with us for those things. There are injustices that have been done to us and it's right to be angry about the, the injustices that were done to us. But assuredly, as I say that to you, we, I think this is what we'll see from scripture. We have to be careful how we go about this feeling or this emotion of anger because there are real injustices that have happened to you. Likely neglect or abuse. Those things are wrong. God says they are wrong, and God feels anger over that thing. And it's okay and right for us to feel angry about those injustices, right? And we all feel it. When someone dies, we feel, and it, it feels, you feel the weight of something being taken from you, right? Death is an expression of sin, right? What are the wages of sin? The scripture says the wages of sin is death. Sin is what brought death into the circumstance. So as we have to say goodbye to someone we love, we feel a little bit of the sadness or anger, the indignation that comes from it. We feel that weight. Jesus is ready to come and bring justice against all those things that are wrong. But at the same time, church, it's important that we understand and we view injustice rightly. Because believe you me, if you think injustice is the waiter who came and gave you the wrong dish, and your anger peaks over that, it's a problem. And we can chuckle at it, but this stuff happens. It does happen. There was a, uh, a time that uh, my wife was um, helping out with a, uh, she was a part on a field trip, the kids. And there was a mix-up. There was a couple of places that during this field trip the kids were meant to go to. And the year before, those places were in the exact same place. These two places they were supposed to go were the exact same place. One was in the basement, one was up above. The one in the basement got moved over the past year somehow. And as they're going on this trip, they discover that it's no longer in the basement. They're gonna have to walk 15 minutes to get to this other place. 
And there are parents that are belittling and berating the teacher for the 15-minute walk, for the lack of organization that's taking place. And you've, you've, you have to step back and say, church, there's a righteous indignation that takes place. It's not meant to be willy-nilly spread in ways that are mean-spirited. Mean it's, it's okay to be disappointed. You have to make a 15-minute walk. It's not okay to make someone feel horrible about that. There's righteous injustice and there's unrighteous indignation. And we're all privy. This is what the beckoning, if you will, of the enemy is toward. Anger about anything that isn't going your way. And the Lord's waving the scripture saying, be angry, but do not sin in your anger. There's a healthy expression. There's a right expression, right? Anger is essentially like fire. Fire in a right way, in a right context is amazing, right? Fire brings warmth. How many of you place? Okay, amen. There are foods that are completely inedible unless you introduce them to fire. And then with fire, they become glorious. Amen? Pigs, cows, whatever, chickens. Can't eat them unless you put fire on them. And then they're heaven on earth, right? Just a little slice. A little slice of heaven. Anyone? Okay. All right. Did you know you start a fire every day? Every day. Every day you start a fire. Every day you sit in your car and you turn the ignition over, guess what you are doing? Setting a fire up under the hood of your vehicle. And that little fire does this one thing. It makes you go from A to B. Totally awesome. Fire's great. Fire's totally great. Unless the fire gets out of control and all of a sudden fire is no longer about warmth. Fire is now consuming your house, okay? Or if the fire gets out of control, what was beautiful barbecue now becomes a hockey puck, right? <laughs> Too much fire messes things up, right? Okay, fire in your car is the little fire that is going it's shooting the pistons. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know about cars. I don't know. I think pistons is what it's called. They move forward. There's a ball of flame. It makes your wheels go round and round. You know what I'm talking about? There, I sang. Sorry. I'm going to try to, like, every sermon, just sing for, like, two seconds. Just going to go for it. All right. Because I can't. You guys get what I'm saying here, right? There is a place. There is a right. Anger is fire. There is a healthy, righteous expression. God's actually inviting us into this partnership with him to say, hey, there's a way to go about doing this thing. But there is a, this is very, very potentially explosive. And we have got to ask the Spirit of God to help us with righteous anger in our lives, to have, to fan, even to fan into flame the things that we're meant to be angry over, to help drive us towards purposeful life, bringing righteousness and justice into the world. Meaning this, that every anger we're experiencing Every righteous anger that we're meant to experience is actually meant to drive us towards seeing justice and righteousness done. The unrighteous things that we see that we get angry over, those things God wants to use to fuel us to go see, see unrighteousness torn down. That's what the Lord wants to use and do with this thing called anger. And so anger is beautiful and it's also potentially destructive. We have to be willing to walk in this thing that God has. And there's entirely possible that this morning, some of us need a little bit of water on the fire that's raging. And we gotta begin to ask that question. Because the answer to anger isn't to utterly avoid it, but it is to focus it and to control it and to utilize it rightly. That's the aim. That's what he's saying in Ephesians. Be angry, but do not sin. And so here's the question. How do we sin in our anger? How do we sin in our anger? How do we sin? 
There's, a, there's two, I'm gonna, there are two primary ways where in our anger, we, we move past righteousness and into unrighteousness. Two, two ways, I wanna give these to you. Number one, explosive anger, explosive anger. Probably the most common way that we thin in our anger is to explode, either with a torrent of words or we explode by becoming violent. Both of those are wrong expressions. You go to the same letter, same people group. Look at what Paul's saying. Ephesians chapter 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Our words matter. Our words matter. They are meaningful to the Lord, therefore meaningful to the people around us. And the words that we say and the way that we say these words are vital, especially in a moment where we're experiencing anger. I had a, a moment, I'm absolutely... Uh, really, I'm, I'm, I feel really sad that took place. And the short version is that we had a massive building, the home church that we came from, we had a massive building project that was going on. We worked with a contractor that we had lots of issues with. And at one particular time, there was a part of the building that we had, we needed a subcontractor to come and fix and to, uh, to put this uh, series of you know, things in place for us so that we could continue to move forward. And the contractor would contact the sub and the sub would say, I'm gonna come this time. And then he wouldn't show up. And then he would say, I'm gonna, we'd reschedule and, it would come and continue to be put off multiple times. And it was very frustrating, really working. I didn't sense that we were get, getting a lot of partnership with the contractor that was working with us. And it, it felt like What happened is, is finally the subcontractor came and he did his work. And the contractor came to me and demanded payment immediately. And we hadn't done that with any of our other subcontractors, but it was all through a billing process and demanded we pay right away. And I said, I'm sorry, we, we haven't done that at any point in time in this, throughout this construction process at all. And he said, I, I don't care, you're gonna pay this guy. This guy came out to do a favor for me. And I was like, we're gonna pay him. This, this is not about a lack of favor. We're gonna take care of him, but we, I don't have the, I don't even have a check. I don't have the ability to write a check. We're not, we're a large organization. Can't, we can't do that. It's a big church. And he said, I don't care. We're going to do it. And he, he started pushing on me. And I finally, unfortunately, I'm <laughs> this is a confession. I came to a limit and I, I erupted and I lit into the contractor. Not okay. I'm confessing to you. It was not okay. And I walked out after lighting into the contractor, I walked out. And I, looked, I went into the office and I saw my administrative assistant's eyes. And immediately I was like, oh, crud. <laughs> now, pastors aren't supposed to be this way, right? Everybody else, you're like, oh, yeah, I get that. No big deal. Oh, you're a pastor? <laughs> well, <laughs> guess you did today, <laughs> Reverend. You know, you feel that a little bit like, Somehow this is okay in real life and it's not okay for the pastors and with the Lord saying, hey, this is not indignation that's okay. Your words and the way that you said that is not appropriate, it's not right. So I did what the pastor, the thing that pastors are to do, one is I confessed to my, my boss and said, this is what happened, I need you to know. And he said, okay, well, we gotta deal with this. And I had an opportunity to come back to the contractor and apologize. And I can't say that we had a big, huggy, warm relationship after that, but I did have the opportunity to apologize. But I am thankful for that moment because not four months later, that man passed away from a heart attack. He was done with our project by then. But I'm telling you, there are those moments that we have of unrighteous indignation we are spewing out with our words. And we do not know what effect that has on people, and we don't know the times that we have. And even as I say that to you, you might even be in a place of relationship where there have been angry words that have been spoken. 
And the Lord is saying here from this text, let no corrupting talk, talk come out of your mouths. Let us not be a people that spew anger in an unrighteous way. This is not what the Lord has for that. You might even be going, yeah, but you know what? I'm not a screamer. Can I just say, listen, you can explode. You can spew without being loud. That absolutely, meaning you, you can speak words that are mean-spirited or even passive comments that are just as damaging as words that are spoken at a really loud volume. It's not about the volume. It's about the content of our words. That kind of anger is not, this is the kind that we transgress and we're not in alignment. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. I think probably the things, if I were looking back on my life, if I were just being totally honest, the things that I feel most ashamed about were moments where there were expressions of anger that were not in the heart of God. They were not in agreement or alignment with truth. Without question, James 3, 9 and 10, with the tongue, this is, man, let this set in on you, okay? With the tongue, praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness, his image. Out of the same mouth comes praise and my brothers and sisters, this should not be. It's the Lord, a gracious Father, coming to us and saying, Church, there's a way for us to handle unrighteousness, but it will not come with explosive spewing anger, not from our mouths. When we become angry, even for the right reasons, which probably is not as often as we think it is. We don't just get to spew and say whatever we want. Words have power to bring death or to bring life. We got to seek to choose life for other people with our words, even when we're angry, even when we're angry. I think we can often justify our anger because we're having something unjust done to us. And the Lord's calling us to be a different kind of people when we experience that emotion to bring that to him. So you have the explosive kind of anger and then the other kind is the stewing kind of anger that sits down inside and begins to destroy from within. Right. We can sin in our anger. It might not be coming out out loud, but it, what it's doing is sitting in. Right. We can make the mistake of thinking that if I don't, spew, if I don't explode, if I'm not prone to being verbose and loud, and that's not who I am, I don't have violent outbursts, then I'm not sinning in my anger. But there's another kind. Again, in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There's the charge. I want to say you can sin in anger. Right? When someone makes you mad, when you do the silent treatment or you give them the cold shoulder or you avoid them or you walk in disdain for them, where you, it's, it's, the word we would use is called passive, where you passively punish someone. Those are, listen, I, and I'm not talking about uh, that when someone makes you mad, you have to be buddies. What we're talking about is what do we allow to stew inside of us? What's going on in a heart? That's what the scripture's always talking about. Let not, let not bitterness take over your life. This is not what we've been called to. We sin in our anger when we cut off relationships, and we don't seek to mend them. Every one of us is called, in fact, gift. If you are in Christ today, you have the gift of being able to be reconciled because we've been reconciled first. Most of the people in our culture are really familiar with the scripture, turn the other cheek, right? In fact, you don't even have to, you don't have to be a Bible person. Have you ever heard, turn, you know, turn the other cheek? You know, 
Jesus actually says this phrase, Matthew chapter 5, if someone you on the right cheek, turn to him also. And so at least initially ask the question, well, Am I, am I just, am I, if someone's attacking me, am I supposed to just let it happen? Is the Jesus saying like, if I'm under attack, I'm supposed to allow the attack to happen? Is that what he's saying? Is it absolutely not. In fact, when you think of someone coming to slap you, where it's, this is not someone trying to kill you, typically, right? What was Jesus saying when he says, turn the other cheek? When someone comes and strikes you, turn the other cheek. What's he talking about? Well, in the Jewish culture, the face is about relationship, in fact, we do, a, we do a blessing at the end. Often, when we finish out our services, we do a blessing over you. And you know what we say? Numbers, it comes from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace the greatest blessing that we can have from God, the blessing that brings peace that we're longing for, that we want in an ever-creasing, ever-growing, functioning relationship with God. So when Jesus is speaking about the face, if someone strikes you in the face, he's talking about relationship. And he's saying, listen, when someone strikes you on the cheek, this is not about a physical act of self-defense. This is not about not being able to put up with an abuser, right? This is not Jesus saying you should, you, it's okay for you to be abused. Never okay, just for clarity. Never okay to, be, to sit under abuse. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's talking about is when you've been insulted and the relationship is being threatened because of something that someone does or something that someone says, what are you supposed to do? Don't stew. Don't let it sit inside. Turn the other cheek. Take the risk of being further insulted, maybe even being further hurt by trying to step back in to mend the relationship. I'm not saying you're not exposing us to abuse or saying that anything that happens that's wrong to us is okay. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is don't allow it to go on sitting inside of you, keeping you uh, dying from the inside out. Does, and this, is by, this doesn't mean we can't pull ourselves out of a heated argument. In fact, many times I think we'll probably need to push the pause button in a heated moment and walk away to get clarity giving ourselves a cool down. It doesn't mean that you can't create some space so that we don't say or do something that we shouldn't. Okay, that all of those things are okay. That's actually wisdom. What, this, what Jesus is speaking to is the function of relationship. That when something offensive is happening, seek as much as we can, not to stew and let it fester with anger and hurt inside, but to seek for reconciliation. And that's not something that we get to be in control of. Amen, church? That's something that the Lord is in control over. But we want to have the heart position to always be reconciled, not to be stewing in anger. Romans 12 puts it this way, and we'll finish up with this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is what the Lord Jesus himself was saying. He calls us to turn the cheek. He isn't saying sit under an abuser. What he's saying is, let's live peaceably. Let's live in harmony. I don't want to let my anger cause me a long season, a lifetime of bitterness inside. We do all that we can by the spirit of God to walk in kindness, to walk in forgiveness, to remain tender to his word, to remain tender to his directives over our lives. We want to, as best we can, to begin to walk in peace. That's what the Lord is calling us into, a partnership with him. That as this emotion arises, are we partnered with him? There's right things for us to be angry over. Can we partner with him on that? Would you guys stand with me? David, would you just come up? Just going to finish this moment. So there's just a couple of things I want to pray over before we go. Here it is. 
Father, we're just coming before you for, this just, for just this moment to bring to you all of our circumstances, to bring to you our relationships. And we're here, Father, to make an exchange. We're here this morning to make an exchange with you that the enemy would seek to pull us into a place where we are locked down in anger. Maybe there's an anger sitting on the inside, an injustice that's been done to us. In fact, I just wanna, if you, we're just gonna take 10 seconds and if there has, is an injustice that has been done to you, maybe it's from your past. It's maybe it's from your upbringing. And I just wanna to speak to this right now. It's entirely possible that many of you grew up in homes where anger spewed and you were mistreated. You were discipled in a home of anger. And you maybe even wrestle with it. And it's been something that you've struggled with. Or you just might be here this morning. And there's a circumstance. Maybe you had no control over whatsoever, but there was an injustice done to you. And I just want you to bring this to the Lord. And here is the beautiful thing that we get to do with Jesus. Is that we can bring the injustice that has been done. Hurt that has been perpetrated. We take this to the Lord and you right now get to make an exchange. And to say, Father, I don't wanna carry this. I wanna make this exchange and I receive your peace. This might be the first time you've done this. This might be the 50th time you've done this. But I wanna encourage you, bring. Bring the emotion to the Lord. If there's anything that continues to be something that feels like it's kindling anger, bring this to the Lord and make this exchange. If you're here this morning and you're prone to um, bouts of anger, expressing or spewing anger, would you just bring that to the Lord and, and be honest with him as well and make that exchange? Say, Lord, here are the places where I'm tempted to feel angry and sin. And I wanna make an exchange for your peace and joy. And then finally this morning, would you just pray this prayer? Maybe it's a, it might even be just a little bit of a dangerous prayer, but pray this prayer. Lord, would you help me to have righteous anger about the things that are wrong, about the things that hurt your heart, where abuse and neglect and exploitation are happening. I pray that we'd feel a righteous indignation. I pray, Father, you would help us to love people well I pray you would help us to bring the expression of your heart of love, goodness, and mercy. To be an expression of your righteousness and your love for those that aren't experiencing it. Father, would you show us what it looks like to be angry against the things that make you angry and to be able to make a difference in 
these places? Would you make us a church that stands for those that are oppressed, that stands for the unborn, that stands for those who are, have been exploited? Would you help us to be a people that step in to what you have, that step in to partner with you for the places you wanna bring righteousness and justice over the earth? Well, thank you, God, we can make this beautiful exchange. We, don't, we confess and we release unrighteous anger. We receive your peace and your goodness. Today, we wanna to choose to walk in your goodness. Here, uh, in just a couple minutes, I'm gonna dismiss this. I'll pray the, the benediction over us. Our prayer partners are gonna be available to pray with you about anything going on, maybe something about the message here this morning or something going on in your life. They'll be over here available on the side. You can go, just connect with them. Let them pray with you. Don't leave this place. If the Lord's doing a work or the Lord's maybe uh, working on you, speaking something to you, find someone to partner with you in prayer. Our prayer partners would love to do that. I'm gonna pray over each of us as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you supernatural, merciful, beautiful peace. I pray, Lord, that we'd walk in your peace this week. We'd be in total partnership with you and your heart. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love you. Prayer partners be on the side.